It is the day before the NHL trade deadline. The general manager's not getting a lot of sleep. And I think for Kyle Dubas, last night, probably even more so, following the Maple Leafs 5-2 loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Welcome into First Stop. It's Aaron Karolnik and Carlo Koliakovo with you. We knew heading into the game, Coco, that the Leafs were going to be in tough. And you knew <laughs> basically two minutes in, McDavid was flying. Connor McDavid scoring twice in the first period. And Toronto had very little pushback. Very little pushback against the team in Edmonton. And I know it's just one night, but, man, do they look reinvigorated. Matthias Ekholm was in the line of playing on the top pair. Thought he looked really good. And I think when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl operating the way they did last night, there's very few teams that can beat them, especially a Maple Leafs team that, for the most part, had their top six, aside from Mitch Marner, be a complete no-show. Yeah, no, I think you summarized it best. Uh, you know, you like to find spots in the schedule where – you know, teams might not be at their best, and I think last night was a great example. You know, uh, the, the win in, in Seattle, you know, the trades that were made the last couple of days, the rumors of the team going to the Bruce Springsteen concert, a lot of team bonding on this road trip. Well, they clearly didn't uh, refocus in time to play the game yesterday because right from the drop of the puck, uh, they were sloppy, uh, their attention to detail was very poor. It looked like they didn't have much uh, skating legs. And, you know, Sheldon Keefe tried all game, the mix and match, and I think that's what he's going to have a, a chance to do a lot here in the next couple of days here with all the new faces and, uh, you know, new combinations and stuff like that. Nobody could get going and nobody was ready to compete or at least play to the level that Connor McDavid basically dragged the rest of the Edmonton Oilers into. So, um it's one of those games. It is one of those games. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is, do you have an? Is it? Is it excusable? No, it's inexcusable. But it is what it is. It's one game, and uh, you know, I don't think it changes much, or you know, there, there, you shouldn't have much of an overreaction today. But you know, we'll see how they respond tonight, and I, I, I probably imagine that they're going to have a better response tonight they laid a stinker that's basically it they had a number of days off in between games against seattle and all the trades and all the speculation i don't know if that's any excuse in fact i know it's not an excuse every team in the nhl is dealing with the exact same stuff that the toronto maple Leafs are dealing with edmonton just traded away tyson berry two days ago so yeah. they're bringing in new guys and we saw ken holland on the broadcast talking about how they want to make another move and that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think Oilers, the Oilers, after last night, are feeling pretty good about themselves. The Leafs, however, not so much. Here is Sheldon Keefe on went, what went wrong last night. We just didn't play with any purpose or intelligence. How much oh. of that can you chalk up? Zero. <laughs> good even finish the let question. The guy... <laughs> yeah. I think the question was, how much can you chalk up to that, to the new guys coming in, in and out of the lineup, and... I am in total agreement. I, I, the new guys had nothing you can't, to do with those you can't results. Make, you can't make excuses. You can't it's allow not Jake your McCabe's team. It's fault. Yeah, you can't allow your team, and that's the perfect response for Keldon Keith because you can't allow <laughs> your team to have built-in excuses. At the end of the day, you're professionals. You're supposed to show up to play, especially when you know the coaches and the management give you a chance to let loose a little bit. You know, have some fun, have a couple of days off, and maybe we should learn. Or maybe that's a learning lesson for this team where this is the second time this year. Remember going back to early in the season when they had a couple of days off in Vegas and 
just could not come back and respond the way they should respond, that if you give this group of players too much leeway and too much time to have fun, they don't they don't take it upon themselves to make sure that that doesn't go, um, you know, uh, unwarranted or not not mm-hmm. unwarranted, but uh, appreciated, underappreciated. Yeah, exactly. Because man, they if, had a box it, for Springsteen, and they I did know, that. It's a joke. That's, and, and I think Sheldon Keith is basically saying, okay. We're probably not going to do this anymore for the rest of the season because <laughs> no more concerts. <laughs> it seems like when when I allow this team to take their foot off the gas a little bit and shift their their focus, it takes them a little while to get refocused. And at this time of the season, you can't have that. And look, I, they they have enough guys in the room to understand. Yesterday's effort was un, was unacceptable. The best thing about hockey and the best thing about sports, you can quickly erase those those ugly memories by. Getting back to playing tonight, they got a game in Calgary and changing their result and obviously playing a million times better than they did yesterday. You can hear the Leafs and the Flames tonight on TSN 1050. Watch it on TSN 4 as well. Keith was asked again about the new players in the lineup, that being Jake McCabe and Lafferty. They came over from Chicago. I guess they felt right at home. McCabe and Lafferty, like, wow, (laughs) we're used to this type of performance in Chicago. Didn't expect that from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Here's Sheldon Keefe on the disappointment with the new players in the lineup. It's it's just disappointing. I mean, you're going to make too much, I think, of any new guys or anything like that. I thought the new guys played fine here today. It's it's the guys that we're going to count on that weren't good enough. At any point, do you think about getting Ilya out of there or the back-to-back makes it a complicated situation? Well, I'm curious to know about the uh, Samsonov. There's a lot of people who are wondering, like, why is Samsonov still in that game? Like, yeah. after maybe even the fourth goal, I think maybe it was the Klim Cost. It's hard to keep track. There's a lot of goals from the Oilers last night. The Klim Coston goal where TJ Brody was just <laughs> lying on the ice, spread eagle, while they just walked right around him and Coston buried it top shelf. Maybe you could have pulled him then, but I think the fact that, you know, you're probably looking at Joseph Wall, or is it Matt Murray tonight? I don't know how they're going to play it out, yeah, but we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, I don't think they wanted to bring in the backup goaltender because you kind of throw off the entire rotation. You can't go Samson off again tonight. You, no, you just no, can't. No, no. I mean, considering where Murray is, you got to, you know, let, let Wall play. And maybe, maybe you let Wall play. It, it, it puts more emphasis on the players to play better, right? That's always the mindset, you know, for players that play with backup goalies in is that, hey, our backup goalies in, we got to play a little bit harder. And look, there, there's enough character in this room to understand that yesterday's effort leaving the ring was unacceptable. It's, it's, it's a game. They, they, they put it behind them and they have to move on, refocus and get a better result tonight. You will see Joseph Wall in goal tonight, according to TSN Hockey Insider 20 Fingers, who intimated that. Sheldon Keefe did say that Wall will go tomorrow. So it will not be Matt Murray. You will see Joseph Wall tonight against Calgary. And was Jake McCabe's debut played with TJ Brody? I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the shutdown pair. And aside from Brody's play on the fifth goal by Edmonton, which I just laid out, I mean, face plant. Out, uh, the, I don't know what it was. It was a very peculiar play. And she's why don't you tweet that on the first up ten fifty account? Like Brody was just swimming there; he had no idea wow, what to do. It was a weird stuck, play. He's stuck in no man's land. He's <laughs> he's flat footed, and he's got two guys coming with an enormous amount of speed. You got the McLeod kid who basically, 
you know, uh, freezes him because he makes a nice fake. He deeks around him, and Costin's wide open on the black door. Yeah. There's nothing he can do about it. No, well, I mean, clearly it should have never got to that point because the Maple Leafs had the puck twice in the neutral zone, and just they got out battled for it, and then they didn't work hard enough to get the puck back. And again, that's another example of Edmonton being on their toes and at least being on their heels all game. So we'll get to the McDavid story in just a moment. Let's hear from Jake McCabe on what he made of his first game as a Maple Leaf. Yeah, I thought I settled in as the game went on. Uh, definitely some nerves, excitement early on. Um, tough penalty to take early on and get their power play on the ice. That was tough, but uh, you know, I thought I settled in with Broads and um, got more comfortable as the game went on. So McKay uh, mentioned the power play. The power play that he was thinking it was a cross-checking penalty. He took three minutes into the game. Well, no, it was a it was a guy going to the net. He basically tried to box him out, and because his stick broke, the the the, the ref called a penalty for slashing. Right, slashing, yes. And Slash. so, it, look, it was a, it, that that one could have been called or not been called. It was a tough one. But I, w- I had the ISO cam on Jake McCabe yesterday, and, like, the first shift said it all. This guy had a two-minute first shift of the game because he just <laughs> couldn't get off the ice. And then the next shift he takes a penalty, and obviously, well, you know, it's it's not what you want to do when, when you're not into the game and you're taking a while to get into it. The last thing you want to do against a team like Edmonton is take pe- penalties, and clearly they made them pay for it. You've been in that situation before. First game on a new team, a lot of hype. I mean, you know, when Carlo Coliacomo was acquired by any NHL team, you know, everyone in the fan base is like, all right, what's Coco going to do for us? Is he going to be that lockdown defender like he was for the St. Louis Blues and the Maple Leafs with Petrangelo and others? And usually the answer is yes. But, I mean, clearly the, the butterflies are there. The nerves are there for McCabe. I mean, going from Chicago to Toronto, he knows that all eyes are on him. And I thought in the first period, yeah, there were definitely some nerves. And that penalty would be an example of it. And just generally speaking, I think he did settle in as the night went on with Brody. But that's to be expected. He's a human being. Yeah. No, I, of course. It's, it's, it is. It's, it's absolutely normal to feel that way. Um you know, good on Sheldon Key for giving him that moment to start with the with the team and and you know, get the jitters out of the way early. It just sucked that he got stuck on a really long shift in his in his first shift. But you know, going into the game, there was a lot of conversation around Jake McKay because you know uh, he was supposed to wear number two, and then in the middle of the day, the Leafs tweeted out that oh, we got a number change. Jake McKay will now wear twenty two because. Mm. There was a discussion between him and Luke Shen earlier in the day that allowed Luke Shen to now wear his number two. That is obviously means a lot to him. And so that, I think that was a really classy move by Jake McCabe, understanding, you know, a new teammate coming in who used to play for the organization, who used to wear the number that he was selected to wear. And nice gesture by him. I would imagine a nice steak dinner or an exchange of a, uh, an expensive gift will be on the horizon here for for Luke Shen. And, you know, I I talked to Luke Shen about it yesterday, and I tweeted it out about what uh, that gesture meant to Luke. And I said, hey, you know, you got your number. He goes, yeah, man, that number on that jersey means so much to me. I'm really grateful that Jake was willing to make the change. You know, this journey started five years ago for me and extremely excited to be back wearing the Maple Leaf, any other team, I wouldn't care about my jersey number, but on this team, it's special to me. Oh, so the passion, the yeah. passion. Oh, I love so, that. Great I, I felt like I needed to, to share that with the fan base because, one, it shows the person that Jake McCabe is, and, two, it shows 
how how special this is for Luke Shen to want to come back to play in Toronto, wear his old number, save Leaf fans a lot of money because <laughs> you know they're old. They fifteen years ago when they purchased his jersey, but you know the nice little sentimental thing between two, two of the new players of the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. And just I think that Luke Shen is already a fan favorite from his time in Toronto, and that'll be absolutely remain to be the case as he makes his Maple Leafs debut, which I imagine probably comes what Saturday against Vancouver, perhaps his former team. Although him, his wife being pregnant, I'm sure complicates matters just a little bit. Uh, quickly on the McDavid front, scored twice last night, had an assist, could have easily had like five or six points. I mean, the guy is simply absurd. He became the fifth player in the history of the National Hockey League with multi-goal performances in five straight games. The it's fifth incredible, player, man. Joe Malone, Punch Broadbent, Mario Lemieux and Alexander McGillney, the other four. McDavid now on pace, Coco, for 69 goals and 158 points. Incredible. He is going to win the scoring race by like 35 points. And I think the Gretzky comparison was always kind of frowned upon because Gretzky scored so many more points than everyone else, all his other contemporaries, right? Whether it was Lemieux or Curry or Messier or or Stasny or whoever it was. Gretzky was always blowing them out of the water as far as scoring goes. McDavid is doing the same thing this year. He has 38 points up on David Pasternak yeah. for fourth in scoring the NHL. What he's doing, man, it's, it's scary stuff. Like, he is the best player in the world by a massive, massive margin right yeah. now. And he showed it last night. And, and you know what the, the crazy thing about Dave McDavid? And, look, I've, I will never, ever disrespect McDavid or never, you know, talk bad about him, but... It looks like, like his per, his his body language and his facial expressions looks like he's not having fun playing hockey at all. But it what it does show is how driven this guy is to be the best player in the world. Because you know you, you you poke fun at John Tavares for being you know uh, so serious about things, and even Jonathan Taze had the the name Captain Serious because you know the guy barely broke a smile. But with Connor McDavid, like even when he scored 50 the other night, he kind of like brushed it off. He didn't really make much of it. And it's like, dude, like be happy a little bit. Like Connor McHappy just once, <laughs> you know, like, but that's what drives these type of players to be the best at their craft by a milestone. Like, the, and if I'm Ken Holland, okay, and I see Connor McDavid playing like that, where he's just a guy that is is has one thing on his mind, and that's winning and being the best player in hockey. I'm doing everything I can as a GM to go out and give this guy everything he needs around it. And look, he Amen. did that. He brought in Ekholm, and Ekholm looked very nice on that blue line. It looked like it it it, it it's in one game. It has um, you know done exactly what they intended it to do create some stabilization back there maybe help Nick Nur or Darnell Nurse a little bit and they they the Edmonton people talked about a lot you know being a, a a stabilizing force back there for their young prospect Evan Bouchard and it looked like that yesterday it did but he commented yesterday in the interview he did on the broadcast about you know what his next move is he should do whatever he needs to do that's going to make this team even better. Regardless of who he has to trade off of his roster, he talked about not having cap space to do it and making the math work and stuff like that. 
Find a way. Find a way. Because when I watch Connor McDavid play the way he did last night, as serious and as motivated and as driven as he was to carry his team and drag his team into the fight, as a GM, I, I wake up this morning and say, I got to do whatever I can to make this team win the Stanley Cup this year. Spot on. And I, and they have to do it. And I think the Ekholm trade was a, was a really good maneuver, and they're going to figure out something else to do. Yeah, if I'm Ken Hall and I'm watching this, be like, my goodness, I have this unbelievable player who is single-handedly torching one of the best yeah. teams in the NHL last night in the Maple Leafs. I'm doing everything I can. Maybe Edmonton's calling Toronto like, hey, Brandon Pridham, can we hire you for two days to figure out our salary cap? How much money does that cost? Yeah. We'll give you a million dollars for two days of work. And Pridham's like, ah, sorry. I'm a Leafs guy only. But I know we got to go to break here. But you know what was weird about going into yesterday's game? Obviously, Jack Campbell plays on Edmonton. But did you see the programs that Edmonton was, the the the, the game day programs? Jack Campbell's face was all over the game day programs because it was against the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. Were you shocked to see that they didn't give Campbell that game? Well, I think that says a lot about how they view Jack Campbell. Was, right? What, what, I would, like, clearly, they, 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 they're not big fans. Of, nor should they be. He's been, he's been brutal this year. He's had a, he had a good stretch well, he, there. He, he, he was brutal to start the season. To start yeah. the season, he was brutal. But he's yeah. been a lot better as of late. He has been. Well, it couldn't be much worse than he was early in on the season. Right. But, yeah, he's been better. And I think it's pretty clear that Skinner is their guy right now. But that could change heading into the playoffs. I think it's very much a 1A, 1B situation. We'll play some Would You Rather on the other side. And, you know, would you rather see Justin Hall and Morgan Riley in a pair in the playoffs or Carlo Koliakovo and literally anyone who else, anyone else? I think Leaf fans would probably Luke Shen. You. I was Luke talking Shen. to Luke. Koliakovo and Luke Shen. Or, Luke, you're getting me Riley fired up, Hall. man. I might, I might come out of retirement <laughs> just to play with you again. Yeah, great crisp Romaine in the Leafs, uh, Leafs room. That's yeah, they what better I hear. have some. Uh, I'm yeah. sure they do. I'm sure they do. So we'll play some Would You Rather Dave Festchuk as well from the Toronto Star for Leafs Breakfast. That in about 25 minutes. First up, continue. The second hour, TSN 1050. The evening will culminate with a game. A contest. Each player will be given a choice between A or B. Decision-making in its rawest form. Would you rather you must make the decision? This is Would You Rather here on First Up. You're listening to TSN 1050. Aaron Karolnik and Carlo Koliakovo with you. We'll talk to Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star in about 23 minutes. Looking forward to that. And looking forward to our conversation every Thursday around 8, 10 a.m. with James Duthie, the host of Trade Center. I think J- James Duthie Coco would rather no trades may- be made today. Save them all for tomorrow. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Well, and it- I guess you'd be part of that, too. Isn't he debuting his the new song that he created? Didn't he say that on Overdrive the other day about tonight on the on the broadcast? Is it, we'll is it tonight? Oh, nice. I guess we'll ask okay. him when he joins us. But yeah, I'm ex- I'm so pumped to see that man. I I just recently watched the last one that they created, and I think in two puck over glass, puck over glass, yeah. Or no, it was a puck over. Was it puck over glass? Or no, don't take my goal away. Oh, okay, that one. That too. one there. Yeah, yeah. I, those are Lester McLean specials. Not Dude, they're, they're that was genius. Yes, no, absolutely. Those, genius. those songs are great. I can't wait to see what they've cooked up. So we'll talk to yeah. Duffy about that in less than an but hour. But look, I, people poke fun at the TSN and trade deadline day. Trust me. I, I understand people are a little tuning in to be trades. There's going to be trades made. It's not going to be your big blockbuster ones. 
but you'll be entertained because we've got a lot of great content that we're creating for it. And Frankie Corrado will be part of Trade Center. That's what's <laughs> most important. Yeah. It's like, okay, we need Corrado in here. Let's go. All right, let's bring in our man Cheese for Would You Rather. What are we talking about today, Cheese? We are going to start with Austin Matthews. If you are the Leafs and you could guarantee one of these scenarios when the playoffs start, would you rather have home ice advantage or Austin Matthews at full health? I mean, I don't like playing doctor or anything, but he just he doesn't look like the same guy right now, and you got to wonder maybe if there's something lingering in the background with Matthews. Well, didn't he just score two goals like the other night? I don't know. It looked pretty good to me. Uh, yeah, but I mean, just in totality, right? You would say that he not, hasn't necessarily been himself for a while, right? Look, this is the way I evaluate people and injuries, okay? At the end of the day, because a guy's struggling, we shouldn't automatically assume that he's dealing with something. Austin Matthews clearly doesn't make it known that he's dealing with something. So, as a player... Anytime when I was playing, when I put my uniform on, I said to myself, I'm 100% to play. So the fact that people are using an excuse to say, oh, well, maybe he's not at full health. Like, I'm not buying that. Either you put your equipment on and you're doing whatever it takes to win and you're going to grind through whatever it is you're going through. Or you're hurt and you take the time off and and, and deal with it. So um, I think personally, like, again, I, I don't read too much into Austin Matthews' season because I think when push comes to shove, when it matters the most, this guy is going to show up to play. So, health or no health, I think the Maple Leafs should prioritize home ice. I think that's what I would rather have because home ice gives Sheldon Keefe the advantage when it comes to matchups, which is what everything the Maple Leafs are doing right now is give them an advantage to beat Tampa. Yeah, this is a very difficult question to answer because, you know, how healthy are we talking about, Matthews? You can't really guarantee anything with regards to health. I mean, there's still, what, 28, 19, 18 games to play? So, yeah, I mean, I guess I would rather Austin Matthews be healthy than, like, have one leg, sure. But I I don't know exactly uh, how to answer that one. But I think it's pretty clear to me that, you know, Austin Matthews, maybe he's got something lingering. Maybe his back's acting up. But the guy's out there playing 20 minutes every night. Like, I, there, there's no excuses. It's the National Hockey League. A lot of players are out there, not at 100%. And Austin Matthews is probably one of them. But at the same time, uh, he's shown before he's able to uh, fight through in adverse circumstances. And I'm sure he will again. One of Matthews' uh, peers in the American program, Dylan Larkin, he signed a big deal yesterday. He's in our next question. If you had to pick one of these two centers to have the better next five years statistically... Would you rather pick Dylan Larkin or Bo Horvat? Well, you said for the next five years. And the next five years, I think, is the important um, aspect of this question because the, both these guys just signed long-term deals with their respective clubs. Do I see Horvat breaking out offensively on an Islander team that's offensively challenged? Or do I see Dylan Larkin breaking out offensively with a team that has higher upside when it comes to breaking out offensively. So I'm going to choose Dylan Larkin just because of the team that he plays on, not because of the player, because I think they're both really good players, and you'd love to have either one of them. But 
the Islanders for years have been so offensively challenged, and I don't know how many goals he's had since he's joined the Islanders. I think he's, what, three or four in how many games? I think the upside for Dylan Larkin is is the ceiling is, is a lot higher there just because of where he plays and the players he's going to play with. Totally with you. Larkin has a longer track record of point production as well, more so than Horvat. I do think will ultimately settle in as a 60-65 point player as the years go on, which is totally fine. I mean, Bo Horvat's a, a really good player, but you know the year he's had where he's, what does he have, 34, 35, 36 goals or something? I mean, that's not going to happen again. Shooting percentage was completely unsustainable, and I think he's come back to earth, and that shouldn't surprise anybody, including the New York Islanders. That being said, he's a good player, maybe just not as good as Dylan Larkin is. Shout out to Larks, our boy. Big contract with the Red Wings yesterday. You guys were talking earlier about you know the greatness of Connor McDavid, so that's where we will take things now. If you had to guess which of these two hypotheticals Connor McDavid is more likely to achieve at some point in his career, would you rather pick him to score 70 goals in a season or notch 164 points or more in a season? So basically be two points per game. Wow. That's a good one. (laughs) I think if you score 70, you're probably scoring 164 too, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... I would ra- I would rather choose 164 game 164 points because is it is it really are we, like are we really like taking that much of a chance here thinking that Connor McDavid could average two points a game for the rest of his at some point in his career knowing how dominant this guy is when he's on the ice and might do it this how, year how much he produces offense goal scoring is tough. And I think when most people look at Connor McDavid, they don't necessarily see him as a goal scorer. And I think that's what really pissed him off this year uh, going into the offseason where a lot of people said that about him. And he said, all right, I'm going to go and prove people wrong. I'm going to go and score 70 this year. And then they can just take that and shove that you up, shove it up you-know-what. But, I mean, we've seen multiple times this guy have three, four, five-point games. I think that's something that we could expect a more of an on a regular occasion than him scoring seventy goals a year because it's tough to score seventy goals. Well, yeah, no kidding. Um, not, yeah, and it's not, it's not it's not it's not easier to get one hundred sixty four points. No, I mean I don't know. That's a tough one to answer. I mean I guess I think one hundred sixty four is more likely scoring seventy. I mean when was the last time seventy was the, like Brett Hull? Yeah. Like I, I don't. I guess I guess maybe McGillney in ninety two ninety three or Timu Solani in his rookie. I mean it's just been so long. Since yeah. someone's done that, Ovechkin's career high is 65, right? Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. and he's like the, arguably the greatest goal scorer in the history of the National Hockey League. Yeah. So, and the points one, one too, like you can weasel a second assist. Yeah, you know, he'll from, he'll get a lot of those because yeah. he touches the puck, touches the puck nonstop. So, I guess I would take the points. Jeez, uh, we got time for one more. Go ahead. All right, if you are a contending team and you are looking to add one of the top two remaining rental forwards. Would you rather land Max Domi or Tyler Bertuzzi? Two pretty similar players when you look at their general profile. It's another great question, Cheese Man. Um, I, I mean, Max Domi has played in playoffs in the past and hasn't really. I mean, well, he scored two goals in, in Game Seven against Carolina. Man, this is a really tough one. I, I, I would go with Max Domi just because of the name and obviously the history of his dad being 
you know, guy that, that, that played in previous playoffs here with the Maple Leafs. Tyler Bertuzzi hasn't played a playoff game, so, you know, I understand the type of player that he is, but, you know, you don't know what type of player he's ever been in the, or going to be in the playoffs. So well, I would choose Max Domi. Yeah, I, I would take Max Domi, too, because of what you just mentioned. Also, he's the much hotter player right now. I mean, the guy's been it's on true. a precipitous tear with and without Patrick Kane. So if I'm investing assets, draft capital, prospects, whatever it might be, I want the guy who's playing better at the time. And I love the idea of Tyler Bertuzzi, and I think it's a very real possibility the Maple Leafs make a trade for him before the trade deadline tomorrow at 3 p.m. And I think that'd be a hell of a, that'd be a very well-received move, uh, needless to say, for Bertuzzi, a guy who is a physical player, would really fit exactly what the Maple Leafs have been lacking. And, man, maybe he slides on that left side with John Tavares and Mitch Marner and Ryan O'Reilly moves to the middle on the third line, and everything might fit perfectly in that respect. But um, remains to be seen. Again, we'll ask James Duthie about that. We'll ask Dave Feschuk about that. Lots of stuff going on in Leafland. And, Coco, you nice combo with Luke Shen yesterday as well, who uh, looking forward to making his return. Uh, I guess his his second return as to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I think we're all looking forward to that following what the Leafs showed yesterday against the Edmonton Oilers. We've got some bet and breakfast on the other side. We'll talk about McDavid and how many goals he could score this season. The over-under on FanDuel is how many? We'll reveal that next. So Connor McDavid, two goals and an assist last night, up to 52 on the season. He is 10 clear of David Pasternak, up to 118 points, 28 points clear of Leon Dreisaitl. Fourth place in the NHL is David Pasternak and Tage Thompson. They have 80 points. McDavid is 38 points up on those guys. It's just <laughs> utterly insane. And That's a on season for, for some players. Man, it's, it's just... Stupid what he does night after night. And I'm sure on FanDuel a little bit later today, they will have a prop on McDavid's over-under for the season. It was 63.5 about 10 days ago. Obviously, he's going to blow past that. The Oilers have 20 games remaining. McDavid has 52 goals. What would you set his goal total over-under at, Coco? How many games does he have left? They have 20 games remaining. He has 52. He's going to get at least... 14 goals in those 12 ga- in those 20 games at least. So he's going to be 66. So you think it's 66 and a half is the over under? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. He's on pace for 69, but I mean that would that would be what 17 goals in 20 games. It's possible. I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. Like the yeah. way that, that that guy was flying around last night and how he's been playing all year. Well, every time he scores two or three, it helps <laughs> him no get there faster, right? I mean, you give yourself a couple games leeway here, but I don't know, man. Like, when this guy puts something in his head and in his mind about what he wants to accomplish, I, I wouldn't put it past him. I would what not a blessing put it, it past him one well, bit. You know what the crazy part is? We think back to, to Austin Matthews last year when he scored 60. He scored 50 goals in 62 games last year right. to Matthews and finished with 60. And McDavid scored 50 goals in 61 games to start the year. Obviously, he scored in game 62 last night a couple of, of tallies himself. So maybe that might lead me to believe. Like, Matthew slowed down. And a lot, I remember, remember he got hurt last year, missed a couple of games down the stretch, and wasn't necessarily the same guy. Maybe was pressing a little bit, and the Leafs were just trying to feed him night after night just to rack up the goals and get to 60, which ultimately he did. I don't know. I, I kind of would lean towards the under, and we'll see what FanDuel posts. Perhaps we'll discuss it on Dump and Chase 
little bit later this afternoon. Love it. We need a winner. We need a winner. So we've got Dave Festchuk en route. He will join us on the other side around the table for Lee's breakfast and James Duthie, the host of Trade Center here on TSN, how he's feeling and the latest on his soon-to-be Juno Award-winning song that he's putting out tonight on the Leafs and Flames broadcast. Fest Chuck next, and Duthie standing by. It's first up, TSN 1050. This is Leafs Breakfast. And the pass off a skate. Turned back now in Edmonton. Back in with McDavid. Going wide, and a shot scores! Connor McDavid with the quickness comes across and he catches Samsonov opening up, moving from left to right. And McDavid has scored twice and the Oilers lead 2-1. to one. No holy Mackinaws from Joe Bowen last night. The Toronto Maple Leafs lose 5-2, although maybe McDavid's worthy of a holy Mackinaw. I know he plays for the Edmonton Oilers, but the way that this guy performed last night and has all season long, I think it's worthy of a Holy Mackinac. What say you, Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star? Yeah, that's a Holy Mackinac. That's a Holy Mackinac. <laughs> GTA guy. And what, what, a, what a performance and, and what, a, what, a, what a player. Do you think, Dave, like this guy is capable of a carrying a hockey team on his back like an NBA player would? And, and that's the comparison I made. He's like the LeBron James right now, where LeBron year after year got his team to the NBA Finals. And McDavid, yeah. the way he's playing this year, and this is no slight on him. I mean, he's on pace for 69 goals. He's never scored 50 in a season. He's a I completely know. different player this year than he ever has been. I mean, and he just showed it last night. No, I've been the dummy. I've been the dummy on these airwaves saying, "Oh, he's going to slow down, guys. He's never, he's never done this. Like he's, <laughs> he's going to slow down for sure." And yet he keeps going out there on a nightly basis and and popping them. And another two last night. Like the thing I love about this guy and Carlo, you you can relate to this better than we can, is that so many nights we watch the local team play. You watch any NHL team play, and it's as though ah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. It's just another night. Just another night cashing a check. This guy goes out there every night and wants to destroy the yeah. opponent. He wants to put pucks through the twine. And I, I just love that. I just don't think we see enough of it. And, and you would think that, you know, with some of the Maple Leafs top players that watched that and watched it, you know, firsthand last night, they would understand, too, that, you know, even some days when you're not at your best, you should you could still be driven as he is. I mean, the thing that blows me away about McDavid is, like, we all talk about, you know, having fun and enjoying the life and stuff like that. This guy doesn't look like he's having much fun. He barely cracks a smile. Yeah. But you look at the score sheet at the end of the night, and this guy's completely dominated the game. So, <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of, of yesterday's game, Dave. Obviously, I'm not criticizing it too much because it's almost like one of those spots in the schedule where – you know, maybe you'd expect a performance like this, especially given everything the list Leafs team has gone through the last couple of days. I mean, the team gave them a couple of days off in Seattle. They went to a Springsteen concert. They did some team bonding. They've made some changes in, in the, with their group, adding some new guys. You know, seeing some guys leave. You know, is it safe to say to come, or is it safe to come in this morning and have a built-in excuse for this group, or you know, is it does it warrant the criticism that they're getting? I'm just shocked that these guys went to Seattle. They saw Bruce Springsteen, who at the age of 73 brings it every night, by the way, always <laughs> on the road. 
every game's a road game for Springsteen, and they couldn't at least draw a little bit of inspiration from Mr. Glory Days himself and, and bring it in Edmonton, man. I'm shocked by that. It's a good point, and Springsteen also plays like two and a half, three-hour shows, too. Like he's yeah. not mailing it at any point in time, and he's bringing the heat night after night, and that is something the Toronto Maple Leafs did not do last night. Chrissy, why don't we cue up Sheldon Keefe, who discussed what went wrong last night, and we can take it from there. We just didn't play with any purpose or intelligence. How much of that can you chalk up? Zero. There you go. So he, I think what he was going to talk about is all the changes, and right. that was the yeah, question Luke from the Fox reporter. Was trying to trying yes. to answer, ask a question yeah. about how much do you chalk up to the fact that we've liquidated thirty three percent of our roster and brought a bunch <laughs> of new guys. Uh, yeah, you're right. But Sheldon keeps right. I mean, but but if you're Kyle Dubis. It's one game, and you got 21 left, and then obviously, you know, seven more big ones, hopefully, or maybe, hey, four if you can win them in, in, in succession. But, you know, the question is, you know, you go out, you're Kyle Dubas, you did the Springsteen. Like, you left it all on the stage. You, you're spilling, and you may, you may even leave a little more before tomorrow at 3 p.m., and your team gives you this. Like, that's not a great early return. Like, it's not exactly a, a message that I want to receive as a GM that I went out and Brandon Pridham did cap gymnastics like the U.S. women's national team winning gold medals <laughs> at the Olympics. And the best they can do is go out and get blasted 5-2 in Edmonton. I mean, that's not yeah. a great it's not a great early start, but hey, it's early at least. No, and you make a great point because, you know, we were touching earlier how a team like Ottawa, you know, played their asses off this week and basically sent a message to their GM and said, go out and get us a defenseman because we're not giving up on this season. And it's almost like Kyle Dubas hasn't gotten any sleep the last couple of days. And the, the, the players yesterday basically said, oh, thanks, but no thanks. Right. Right. Um, so if you're Kyle Dubas today and you see that performance last night, maybe you had things that you were looking at that you were thinking to yourself, OK, I've got some time to you know, think if I want to pull the trigger on this, does it change his thought process on making another move? Like, where do you stand? I, I think he's still got at least one or two moves left in him. I don't think they're going to be anything big or drastic like he has completed so far. I think you just look at their defense, nine defense. I mean, Gustafson has never played a game with this team. Is he a guy that they ultimately try to get a draft pick for? Or is Justin Hall one of those guys? What do you think is going to happen here in the yeah, well, given the fact, Carlo, that we've seen, you know, Kyle Dubas, who's always before this calmly talked about the process, given the fact that the process has essentially morphed into what I would call the panic, because this is a this is a pre-trade deadline fervor like we've rarely seen from a GM. Um, I would not be shocked if he makes more moves. I would not be shocked if he attempts to, as you say, you know, maybe maybe change out some of the guys who've been dead weight a la Pierre Engvall, uh, whether it's Justin Hall, whether it's, you know, trying to get some insurance in goal, whether it's bringing in Tyler Bertuzzi to give you a little bit more of that physical edge. I mean, nothing would shock me at this point, guys, because no, this is, this is desperation times. This is this is Well, you've committed, you've committed times. to go this far. Nothing should stop you, right? If you have something more that that you think you can accomplish, yeah, exactly. Like this, this is all or nothing. To use the, yeah, the name of the documentary, <laughs> uh, or you know, or it might be all for nothing, given the <laughs> fact that we've got, given the fact that we've Let's got hope six not, years, Dave. Let's six hope years not. of track record in the playoffs to look Please at. Please give us something guys, to celebrate. These guys year. do have a tendency to to fall at the first hurdle. 
This is Dave Festruck from the Toronto Star. You're listening to Leafs Breakfast here on First Stop, TSN 1050. Dave, you joined us last week. You talked about the Maple Leafs goaltending and how maybe that's something they should be looking to shore up prior to the trade deadline. I think you brought the name Craig Anderson. And listen, Elias Samsonov did not have a good performance last night. I'm not sure no. how many goaltenders in the National Hockey League would have been able to stop a lot of that stuff, but he wasn't good. That's obvious. Matt Murray, we still don't know what the deal is. It'll be Joseph Wall tonight. In Calgary. Dave, can you tell us what's wrong with Matt Murray? Come on. You have to know somebody <laughs> you have that been knows what's wrong with Matt Murray. When are we going to see Matt Murray um, back in this team? I think, Carlo, for any of us to know what's wrong with Matt Murray, we, we would need multiple PhDs in, in some serious brainwave uh, science. So it's funny you say that because I asked somebody about that a couple days ago. I said, hey, what's up with Matt Murray? And the question or the answer I got back was, oh, it's just Matt Murray being Matt Murray. Well, right. That's reassuring. <laughs> like, well, okay, exactly. Sure. Like you talk about the track record of playoff failure for the Leafs. Like this is not new for Matt Murray. Like you know, like the, there's a reason why he won two cups in Pittsburgh and they ran him out the door. There's a reason why he's no longer in Ottawa. And there's there's probably going to be a reason why he's going to be in three or four more teams uh, lineups before he finishes his career. Because if he makes it that long, who knows? But and and I'm not wishing any you know ill will toward Matt Murray, but it's just the fact that. The problem with Matt Murray and the reason I would go get insurance goaltending if I'm running that team is that even if even if he came out and played great, say t- say tonight or whenever he's going to play, we don't we don't know. Nobody knows. The problem is even if he played great for a stretch and he has played great for stretches this season. Let's not forget he's, there's been moments where he's been really good. The problem is that you just don't know in the warm up of Stanley Cup playoff round oh, one God. game four or game seven or whatever game it is he might just say guys i can't go tonight because he's got a track record of saying guys i can't go tonight and he's already done it for the leafs a couple of times this year you heard sheldon keith that one time say he put Ilya samsonov in a terrible spot when he pulled out pulled the shoot late so that's why i just have to go out there and get another insurance guy unless i really believe in joseph wall with an unproven track record even though he's been very good in the ahl so was Garrett Sparks really good in the AHL. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it'll be curious to see. I mean, it's, what would be probably assuring is if Matt Murray can come back and play tonight and at least give Kyle Dubas some confidence knowing that, okay, he's back to health, we can trust him, we can move forward with it. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. I think that's what the – this whole week is represented for the Maple Leafs. You just don't know what they're up to next, right? And uh, we'll see how this plays out here in the next coming days. But how relieved were you to see that Jacob Chikrin finally got traded? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm a huge Chikrin fan. Like, I, I watched him play in the GTHL when he was up here. I think he was playing for the Junior Canadians, and he was an obvious phenom. I mean, he was, you know, dad played in the NHL, and he's he was obviously a great player at a very young age. And was I've always been sort of rooting for him, but yeah, it's this is one of the you know silliest sagas in recent memory. Can you believe of, they waited two years to get a first and two seconds? Like nobody was willing to pay that. Well, considering he's playing for a franchise that currently I think is has constructed a visiting locker room out of 
curtain rods and black stage curtains. So yeah, embarrassing. It doesn't necessarily shock me, Carlo. You talk about so embarrassing. You talk about a uh, pop-up organization. These guys, these guys are running a pop-up NHL franchise on a college college campus. So the fact that it's taken two years to actually get this thing done does not shock me. Yeah, I think the most I don't know, sad part of the whole Chikrin saga ending is just how it ended. How Arizona and their general manager basically couldn't take back any contracts and couldn't retain any salary because either a the franchise has no money, they're poor, or two the owners is too cheap to ante up any type of money in order to improve his team, and that's just really really sad for the National Hockey League as a whole, especially Dave. Just last week they traded for Shea Weber's retired contract to get to the salary cap floor, and this has been a problem in the NHL for so long, and the fact that that's all Arizona can get. People will critique Bill Armstrong, and maybe he's the GM of the of the Coyotes. Maybe he overplayed his hand, but at the same time, he's being completely hamstrung by a ownership group that is simply unwilling to play ball like every other owner is. You're right. I mean, that's the one thing about, you know, measuring GMs. Like, with, with the, you can't, you know, you can't give Kyle Dubas excuses because he's got every resource. But I think with Bill Armstrong, there are some excuses if he points up. Yeah, no, no kidding. What about uh, trying to figure out what Vancouver's doing here? I mean, this is a team, <laughs> you know, that... Came in with a new manager. They got Jim Rutherford there who tried to turn things around. They've been trying to move contracts all year. They maybe jumped the gun on Bo Horvat, considering what these other top players are going for. And then they trade a first-round pick for Philip Ronick yesterday. Like, how about, is this team going through a rebuild? Like, what, what, are, they, what are they doing? It's just, I Don't can't so. understand what Vancouver is doing. They just keep doubling down on dumb. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Like Jimmy Rutherford, look, you, you got to respect Jimmy Rutherford. You don't want to, you don't want to get too snippy with Jimmy Rutherford because he's got he's got cup rings in in the, in you know three cup rings and two of them came in the last you know handful of years in Pittsburgh where he got that team over the finish line. And this guy knows. I think that's the difference though, right? Like it's one thing to take a good team and get them over the finish line. I think Jimmy Rutherford has perfected that art. And it's obviously good to have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang in your lineup, but. You know, the, the idea of rebuilding is just it, on the fly with an owner who's never shown the patience to tear it down the way the Leafs did with the Shannon plan. That's tough sledding, Carlo. I, I do I do not envy that situation for a GM because you are kind of caught in between. You're in this nether region, uh, neither up nor down, and, and I think it shows in the moves. Yeah, it's a very curious situation with Vancouver, and I think a lot of fans out there, and Dave, you and I would both know a lot of guys who cover that team, everyone seemingly very confused by the moves, and I think um, everyone should be confused by the moves, because frankly, uh, they're in a very murky middle spot uh, as far as the Vancouver Canucks go. Thank you for doing this for us, as always. We'll see you tomorrow. You'll be part of TSN 1050's trade deadline coverage at 10 a.m. with Jim Taddy, and it's the Leafs and the Flames tonight. Hopefully, Toronto won't be dancing in the dark this evening oh Love how it. i just Love came it. up with that i truly one of my finest <laughs> broadcasting is, that moments is, that is tremendous yes, well maybe they, they will maybe bar. they will be born to run and gun tonight all right nice. not bad not bad pretty that's good, good. good. trying to sweeter. steal my thunder dave <laughs> nice, relax. Work. Relax. nice work all right that's uh, dave festuck <laughs> from the toronto star well you'll hear him tomorrow 10 a.m on tsn 1050 we've got a huge third hour of the program ahead we will talk to james dutty we will talk to ian mendez and we'll do it next.